Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode, episode 46, our MPLW season preview. Joining us today, we have the wonderful Frenchman, Jeremy Magan. Jeremy, how's it going today, mate? Hey, man. How are you doing? Hi, Michael. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I, I missed you boys. I'm starting the season, as you can see, uh, pretty subtle. No, no French flag, no Marseille flag, but it's coming. No jerseys. <laughs> jerseys. Today, today is the subtle day. Wait until we get into the rhythm. It'll definitely be coming when Marseille, um, you know, challenge for that uh, Europa Conference League title. You mean win that? Uh, win. Oh, sorry. Title. Yes, yes. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, look, I hope they do. That'll be great. Um, Michael, how's it going today? Yeah, good. Thank you, Matt. It's been uh, it's been good. I was just talking to Jeremy off air just before we started about sort of, you know, we're getting into that period now where the season's sort of really beginning um sort of across the different leagues obviously all the all the leagues aren't sort of starting at the same time but we are getting into that period now where football is is on the cusp and and underway so just very excited to again do another preview you know this time on uh, MPLW and yeah very excited before we get into today's show let's talk about our sponsor we here at Eminem Podcasts are very proud to talk to you about our very first sponsor called Line Market, a new local business emerging in the sport and technology arena. That's right, Michael. Line Market is a new business operating the ACT and surrounding regions, and their product delivers accurate line markings for all sports and special functions using the latest technology. That's right, Matt. And this includes all sports that we either take part in or have watched on TV at some point. And this ranges from Football, rugby league, rugby union, hockey, Aussie rules, gridiron, baseball, softball, athletic tracks of any size and associated disciplines and more. Yeah, look, that sounds like it covers a lot of ground, Michael. And playing right now are the images and videos of this machine at work. And by God, it's a beauty. If you're interested in these services or know someone that would be, do not hesitate to contact the business owner of this fantastic new initiative, Ken Yalg through his email, linemarket at tpg.com.au or his work mobile, 0493-241-646. Contact details and social media pages will be available to access at our Facebook page, Eminem Podcast. But if you are watching this on Facebook, it will be attached to the post. That's absolutely right, Matt. And you know better than anyone else here at Eminem Podcasts, we believe this business is fantastic for local Canberra sport and surrounding regions, whilst it couples its work with the finest new technologies. And before we start, let's uh, give a congratulations to our good friend of the show, Russ Gibbs, who has returned to Capital Football as the head of communications and commentary. So don't worry, he will still be commentating. If anything, he'll probably commentate more now that it's... uh, officially a part of his job. And he he said he'll still come on the podcast as well when he can. So nothing will really change there. If anything, you'll see more of Russ. So congratulations again, Russ. Let's start with Belco, Belcon United. Their coach this season is Scott Conlon. 2021 position was second place. 2021 points and win-loss record was 14 wins, one draw, two losses, and overall 43 points. They were also the Charity Shield winners in 2021. Look, Belco, by all accounts, had a pretty good, very good season last year. They were competing with Canberra, Croatia, neck and neck. I mean, if you look at the goal difference, there's only one goal difference between them. And it was very, very close. Um, unfortunately for, for them, though, Canberra, Croatia did beat them twice. So uh, they beat Canberra, Croatia and Charity Shield, but then the other two times, Canberra, Croatia won. So that's where they ended up being three points behind. And... So they had a very good season overall. Uh, Michael Zakoski did well, but he is now over in the MPL, MPL um, men's side. And now comes in Scott Conlon. Scott Conlon has been in their system for a while in the women's system there, but he has experience outside that. Like, for example, he's coached um, Tugger and United to uh, promotion in 2000, I think. I believe he told me. It was one of those years there. And I believe he uh, coached Russ as well when he was at uh, Tuggerong. So little fun fact there. So he's had has plenty of experience coaching men's and women's football. And he's been at Belco for a while. We, we, and I think he was coaching 14s or 13s um, uh, uh, MPL women's side last year. So we all know Belco like to, you know, bring up the, uh, the coaches through their system. And Scott is a fantastic choice at that. In terms of uh, key personnel, there's a lot 
uh, of departures. Decent amount coming in as well. Jeremy will probably go over more, but we'll just mention a few here. Vanessa Ryan, Sarah Johnston, Nicole Jaloka, they're just a few that have left. And let's not forget the uh, the main one, Mickey Thornton. That was an, an absolute shocker to all of us when we saw that announced because I didn't even think I heard it. I just saw it on, um, I just saw Olympic post and I'm like, wow, that's uh, a massive coup for Olympic and a massive loss for Belco because we not only do we match how great a player she is, just a huge leadership as well. And she'll bring all that leadership to Olympic as well. So that's a big loss there for Belco. But Scott Conlon will probably relish this challenge. He'll understand it's more of a challenge. And probably for the first time in a while, Belco haven't been talked about as much in terms of going for that title. Uh, can they? Yeah, they, they, they still can, but they haven't been talked about, which is just astounding when you, if you said this 10 years ago, you'd be like, what, really? Like, you know, because Belco have been that dominant for that long. So Jeremy, overall, a lot of changes with Belco, uh, new coach, new surroundings, absolutely new narrative, which we are not used to, even with the last couple of years, our narrative wasn't this different. So what do you think about Belco this season? And uh, feel free to discuss any more ins and outs that we haven't discussed. Yeah, I think it's in, it's going to be exciting for the Blue Devils. I mean, of course, um, Scott coming in, he was um, coaching the under 13 at Belco the last couple of seasons, coaching his daughters. Uh, and so, you know, like I said on the pod, when he came uh, on your pod, Matt, maybe, maybe he wasn't ready to jump this early on first grade, but I think having somebody who knows what's expected uh, at Belconnen is, is definitely the right choice for the club. Somebody who knows the, you know, that regardless of how much turnover there is, the expectation is to be at the top uh, and that will want to get at the top is, is what is needed. Of course, the story is going to be about the players that are gone. Uh, you know, you didn't mention her, but they also lose Christian Esposito, which is a fantastic goalkeeper who, has, who had her first minute in A-League women this season. Uh, but they're getting a bit of young talents with, you know, Steffi Legends and, and Jaila Murphy coming back to, to the North after a, a season in, in the academy to, to be between the posts. Uh, and then they're just going to work with a team that was already winning everything, which is their reserves. They also they also still have talent. You know, they lose a few players, but they still have um, the killer bees, as um, as Russ liked to mention it. You know, Backhouse, Bumford, uh, and Bobin are still there. Um, there's still the experience of people like Sammy Price in the squad. Karen Clark is still there. So there's still definitely a core of players that know what Belconen is supposed to be. And I think, to me, the most important story of, of Belconen this year is you've had the personality, the talent, the leadership of Mickey Thornton for so long. Which player is going to now say, you know, finally, I don't have to be in the shadow of such a great player and I can affirm myself who's going to be jumping up and doing this? You know, is it Backhouse? Is it Bomford? Which one is going to be the, the new leader of that squad on the field? And I think that's going to be what's going to be very, very interesting about seeing how Belco progress because they will need, of course, somebody who's going to be the relay of Scott on the field. It's a bit, you know, it's a bit of a tumultuous few seasons for Belcon and Anthony goes, um, Ahmed come from one season, Michael come from one season. Uh, it's it's almost the best way for the girls to say, maybe maybe I don't know if I want to play in that club. And that's what we saw during this off season. So now it's just up to, to Scott Conlon to kind of like put the, um, it's, a, it's a French expression, but put the church back in the middle of the village, which means talking about what matters important, which is let's let's talk about football and let's play football uh, and let's show everybody that Belconen is still this powerhouse of, of capital football, of Canberra football. And, and I think he's, he's going to have a fun doing this without, without Matthew Moore as an assistant coach. And I'm looking forward to to seeing them from Friday onwards because we'll call we'll call his first game with Russ. Yeah, next we had last year's uh, champions, 2021 champions, which was uh, Canberra Croatia, who are now uh, coached by Zoran Glavinic. Uh, obviously, with Nick Bosnic uh, stepping aside, Zoran comes in. Uh, they were obviously first last season in what was a great year. Uh, they had 46 points, only managed to lose just one game win 15 and, and draw one. Uh, so last year, uh, aside from winning the league, they were also the Fed Cup champions as well. And they've already managed in 2022 to win the Charity Shield as well. So picking up where they left off, to say the least, for Canberra Croatia, you know, they they set the bar so high last season. And like you boys mentioned before, it literally came down to the encounters between Canberra Croatia and Belcon and United, which was going to determine who was going to come out on top and win the league. And like you said, Matt, Canberra, Croatia got the better of Belconnen in the league twice. 
last season and that proved to be the biggest difference in them being able to lift the title. Uh, they've had some departures, uh, to mention a few. So they've got Cecilia Madic, Olivia Fogarty and Renee Junior who have all left the club. However, the core of that still, the team still sort of remains, you know, with the likes of Alice Churchill, uh, the brilliant Rip Palombi, uh, Krista Hagen, just to name a few of those players in within that core that are still at the club. Uh, Grace Gill's future is still uncertain uh, at this point from what we last sort of heard of. Um, if she decides to play another season, uh, we all know obviously what quality sort of she has. And, you know, they're very... The the sorry, Zoran Blavinich is is very experienced when it comes to the coaching side of things, and you know, uh, he he'll get to return obviously to his boyhood club, uh, where he's also coached the men's team to success in the past. So, uh, and I did mention at the top that uh, Nick Brosnich is no longer the coach, but he'll still be involved in the coaching uh, setup, uh, which which is good to see. So he hasn't left uh, the club completely. Uh, he'll still be there at a coaching capacity. So a few changes within the core, but there's obviously still a large amount of that squad still together, which is a very good thing. And obviously we had just mentioned how many ch- changes have gone on at Belconnen. That's not the case at Canberra, Croatia. And I'm not, not surprised to say the least, given the success they had last season. Jeremy, what are your sort of thoughts on Canberra, Croatia this season? And are there any other sort of departures or incomings that I hadn't mentioned before that are worth sort of raising? Uh, you know, I think with Canberra Croatia, one can only be um, optimistic for, for the season. Uh, you know, you mentioned if, if Grace doesn't come back to play, it'll be a big loss, but she, she might she might still put the put the cleats on and uh, and yeah. show, show the rest of Canberra how it's done. Uh, but also, um, and we've seen it at the Charity Shield, um, Zoran took that team and, and just kept on doing what Nick was doing. We saw a team that was dominating and a team that in the last 10 minutes is capable to score how many goals they want. They win 6-0 against um, West Canberra, which you know feels a bit harsh when you watch the game, but also talks to the, the firepower of what uh, Canberra Croatia is. And it was you know with Britt Palombi on, on the bench. Uh, you know, I think the it's it's a good story of comebacks. Uh, Zoan going back to to his boyhood club, like you said, and and you know Natasha uh, Vasta coming back uh, in the goalkeeper, which she's a bit more experienced than Ali Hinson, uh, who, who has gone now to West Canberra and has already tested firsthand what it is to play against a former club during a charity shield. Uh, but also the also the comeback of Beck Keating um, at left back is is big and she can play either side. So when Alice Churchill is going to be back, I think they found who could be um, their right back because to me, that's probably their biggest loss, having lost Rene Juna, who good for her is going to play in, in New South Wales in Bankstown, Bankstown City, uh, was probably the biggest loss for Canberra, Croatia. Uh, but we also have also been impressed with uh, both Diane Wilson and uh, Sienna Birney, who, who have been recruited in the offseason. Uh, and during the during that game against, against West Canberra, those two uh, with Bella Barac, who is finally injury-free, uh, have been impressive. They, they play just the same football as Canberra Croatia has been playing for the past couple of seasons. They bring um, speed. I mean, Bella Barac, when she's in shape and ready to play, and she was that day, the ball just sticks to her feet the whole game, and she's technical, and she has a very good vision for the game, and she was playing a bit of a force nine position. Um, so it kind of, it's just scary again, Canberra Croatia, in my opinion. There's, there's strength everywhere. There's a good bench. Um, there's players coming back from injury, players coming back to the to the game after after a couple of sabbatical years, um, it doesn't look like much can happen to them. And, you know, of course, uh, Olympic and Belco are going to be up there to try and, and bother them. Uh, but from, from the get-go, I feel like they've already said, this is what we're going to do. You know, that 6-0 win is a bit of a, a, bit of a big sign for everybody else to know that they're, they're in for, for the three-peat. Uh, and I'll, I'm really curious to see if they're going to be able to, uh, to keep it up for hopefully a full season. Next up, we have Canberra Olympic, coached by Nicole Begg, 2021 position, fifth place, 2021 points and win-loss record. Eight wins, one draw, um, eight losses, 25 points overall. Debuting first grade coach last year, Nicole Begg had a very good season in charge, I thought. Um, the table position and whatnot is probably, I wouldn't say, is reflective of the performances, in my opinion, from what I saw from them last season. They were one of the... Um, I would say they're one, they're one of the more tactically flexible teams. You saw them 
uh, you know, rotate between a back five and a back four. They could sort of like find a way to sort of do it all. Uh, unfortunately for them, they started the season when they were still sort of gelling, uh, playing Belko and Canberra Croatia. So, uh, but, you know, by the time that second time came around, you did see those improved performances against those sides, but they just weren't at uh, the level of those two yet. But I, yeah, I, I don't think their position on the table is reflective of how they played. I guess the big talking point for Olympic is uh, straight away at the end of the last season, their social media made some announcements and they've brought in quite a few high profile players that we've seen here uh, in this league quite a bit before. Obviously, Michaela Thornton, like we mentioned, is the big one. Uh, uh, Vanessa Ryan, LK Tolu, just to name a few, Jeremy will mention uh, the rest. Um, overall, though, it, with the already improving team, um, it's going to be interesting to see whether those players just come on board and they immediately, you know, integrate, you know, very well. Like, I'm sure a lot of these girls have played, you know, with each other before between Canberra, Croatia and Belco and all these other clubs. So it might be a quicker transition than we think. But that, for me, that's going to be really interesting to see if this, if they transition well, because on paper, there's no reason why they can't uh, challenge Canberra, Croatia and Belco for this title this year. They've definitely got the firepower and they've got the depth. So it's going to be really intriguing. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Canberra Olympic this season? Crazy offseason, hey? We, when we yeah. saw all those names coming out, uh, Janet King has been King. one of yep. the revelations of the past couple of years between the posts. Uh, you know, Sarah Johnson, Mickey Thornton, Nicole Zaroka. Uh, like you said, Kai Tolu, Leaf Fogarty from, from Canberra, Croatia, Vanessa Ryan. I mean, I was waiting to read, you know, Sam Kerr and Ellie Carpenter <laughs> coming to Canberra to play to play at Olympic. Uh, it's it's great to see, um, I guess, a bit of, I don't know if it's a change in the guard, but a bit of shuffling the cards uh, in the competition. Uh, and, and, you know, Nicole Begg is um, a coach that, like you mentioned, we've been impressed by last year with her ability to, to change the tactics we were, you know, getting away from that usual 4-3-3 that everybody else was playing to try and uh, bring it to, to the other teams. And she did it well and, and quite successfully. Uh, and she she said it herself on the pod with you. She made a few mistakes. She learned from them. Uh, and now this year, she's uh, she's given there herself uh, a bit of a job with having all those very good players playing together. And, and as you rightfully mentioned, putting them in the same squad and making them play the right way is going to be the challenge for her, you know, not um, losing too much of that culture that was the Olympic culture before all those players coming in and counting on them to, to listen to our message and to, and to, you know, um, drink the Kool-Aid and do what Nicole Begg wants to do on the, on the pitch is what is going to be very interesting. I don't think there's a lot to worry about though. You know, um, if, if players like Mickey Thornton, Sarah Johnston, um, to name the, I guess the two most experienced um, we are troublemakers, we would know by now. Um, so I think it's just going to be a, a very professional environment. Um, it's a great opportunity for the younger players in Canberra Olympic to see, you know, uh, I guess a higher level of performance at training and enjoying the games. Uh, and, and you're just going to wonder, um, you know, if and when Ashley Sykes come back uh, and, and play, <clears throat> sorry, for Olympic who's going to be able to stop them. The danger is going to come from, from everywhere on the field. It's going to be hard to go through their midfield and their defense. It's going to be hard to stop them in pace, in technique, in physique. Um, yeah, a, a very, very interesting stuff coming from uh, from O'Connor this season, for sure. Yeah, and I have to ask, in that regard, you we've mentioned there if the, all the players can sort of uh, get that transition period in quickly. But at the end of the day, it's arguable. It's not just... Uh, the squad, they've got a lot of depth, which is always important, especially this season. We haven't even mentioned it yet, but, you know, what sort of role will COVID play this season in terms of, you know, if one player gets it, you know, it can spread pretty quick. So um, it's good to have depth and then that tr transition between 23s, which we probably touch more in the CPL one than we did in the MPL one, but it goes for all of them. Uh, but I have to ask in that regard, there is arguably a lot more starters than last season. Do you think it will take a while for her to sort of juggle that. And will you sort of see, um, yeah, just will you see a, a quick transition? Like I, it's sort of similar to what I asked, but I have to ask because I, yeah, I don't think we've seen this many starters in a team in like in a whole squad in MPLW out of the three years we've been doing this than, uh, uh, than Olympic this season. 
I think it's a good problem to have. I think we've yeah. seen it during the Charity Shield. Teams like Canberra, Croatia and Belconnen are going to come fully prepared and are going to be ready for 90 minutes. Last year, we've seen that Olympic maybe had issues playing a full 90 minutes at the same level. Uh, and, and again, Nicole mentioned that herself. Uh, so I think that's where it's going to be great for her. You know, it's going to be one of two things. First, it's football. So some players are going to be out of shape one week or sick or, or injured. And so some choices are going to be made for her. Uh, but then also, I think, you know, if you're able to keep Ashley Sykes, if she comes back, or Nicole Jaloka or Lee Fogarty on the bench and get them in for the, for the last half hour, This is the dream of any coach. You know, you're bringing up such a talented player to play the last 30 minutes when the defense is tired. Uh, I think it's all positive for her. It's always going to be about, you know, about her relationship to her players, about how she manages this, how she, um, you know, manages the ego, I guess, uh, because a lot of players, especially in the midfield and, and up front, seem that they could be um, in the starting lineup. It's just going to be about, you know, telling them that it's for the best of, best of the team and, uh, And, and giving everybody, I guess, a bit of game time and being able to turning and changing without losing what a football is. At the end of the day, she's here for the results, right? So she will want such a, such a splash on the offseason. She will need to translate onto the ground. So I think the players also are going to do whatever they can to deserve that call and are going to play the one that are training the hardest or playing the hardest. Uh, and, you know, I have no doubt, having seen Nicole playing and, and coaching, Uh, that if they don't play hard enough for her or don't train hard enough for her, uh, they'll hear it quickly. And, and this team will only get better as the season goes. Michael, who do we have next up? Yeah, next up, we've got Canberra United Academy, who are now going to be coached by Sarah West. Uh, they were fourth last season uh, with an overall win-loss record of eight wins, three draws and six defeats for 27 points. Uh, I think overall they had a good Good season last year. They're obviously cracked into that fourth position in the top four. You know, Vicky Linton arguably sort of upped their aggressiveness and intensity, which was great to see. And it was something that I think had lacked in seasons sort of previous because we talk about how young that squad is and they're playing against sort of much older uh, players uh, throughout the different teams in the league. So I think it was important for them to sort of instill that you know, aggressiveness, physicality side of their, of their game to really sort of compete uh, on a physical level with the other teams in the competition. And, you know, their standout results from last season, you know, uh, were arguably, you know, against uh, Canberra Croatia, the, the eventual champions, you know, um, you know, inflicting them their only defeat. And they also claimed a draw as well. So it, I think that just really showed how good they were last season, uh, Canberra United Academy. And, you know, Sarah West will be coaching uh, this team as, you know, Vicky Linton announced she'll be leaving the club. And, you know, she's been part of the setup there for a while now and she gets her chance uh, at, at first grade to coach this team. So it's going to be a great experience uh, for her at the coaching helm. And you could expect similar football and probably a fluid transition for the players for, from the lower grades due to her being sort of, familiar with that setup there at CUA. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether they'll have the same sort of aggressiveness that Vicky Linton was able to install in that team last season, if they'll be able to carry that on into this season, which I think will be important. Um, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, and like I said, that aggressiveness really sort of made up the age gap between the squad that they have there at CUA compared to, you know, your Canberra Croatias and your Belcon and United's uh, just to mention a couple of the top teams. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Jeremy, do you sort of resonate those similar feelings? Do you think it'll be important for them to sort of carry over that aggressiveness while still maintaining a relatively good football style that they, that they have as well when, when they have the ball? And are there any sort of other squad ins or outs that are sort of, you know, at the forefront with, with this team going forward into season uh, 2022? I think to start with the, 
the ins and outs, there's a there's a, a couple pretty important outs, unfortunately, for for United Academy, starting with with Sasha Grove, who had uh, quite a bit of game time in in LEW this season, and who's now playing for uh, uh, North East Sydney, I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, who, who played last week against uh, against Belconnen, um, and, and losing also Anna Hunt, who was their um, best well one best. Last season, one of their most um, lethal weapon upfront. Uh, so then we might expect for the academy. You mentioned having Sarah West at the helm um, is all positives. You know, she's been coaching the under 15 very successfully uh, for a season or so, for a couple of seasons, sorry. And, and before that, she was um, at West Canberra when it was Wooden Western. So she also knows about, um, you know, the, the scenery in, in the capital. I think it's going to be a bit of a, it has to be a bit of a transition season. Uh, the fact that you don't, you know, Vicky Linton resigns and you don't actually have a Canberra United coach, uh, Phil Booth just getting into the technical director. Um, you you kind of have a moment where the players that are going to play for Sarah might not see the pathway straight away for uh, the W League, the League W, excuse me, like we like we talked about the, the previous years. Um, so it might be a season where, Cambridge Intel Academy try and kind of like buy themselves a new identity and, and go back into their roots, which is all those players are here to be developed. It's not about the results. It's about developing their football. It's about learning how to play against um, women that are older than them. Uh, and it's about finding the right balance between their technical gifts that they should have learned at that time in the academy and the physicality they need to learn when they're playing in NPLW. And, and Sarah is, you know, probably one of the best person to try and, and make that transition happen. So we're going to see a lot of new players, no doubt, uh, in, in the academy this season. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see some that we already know, but it's just going to be, I think, like you said, not losing that physicality, but probably more probably more learning that physicality, learning how to manage a 90-minute game against, against women. And um, yeah, you know, maybe the results are going to be here. I'm expecting more to see, um, you know, some players actually just learning the ropes of playing um, first grade football. It'll certainly be interesting to see uh, without a doubt. I think that them securing a top four finish last season really obviously spoke to how well they played, but it will be interesting to see how they transition into this new phase under a new coach. And, you know, if they'll be able to keep up, that sort of physicality level. But like you said, Jeremy, I think the main sort of focus with that playing group and that club is to develop young female footballers, uh, especially on a, on a technical level. Um, and you tend to focus more on the aggressive nature sort of after that, because I think it's really sort of instilled within the club that, they focus on really developing these girls at a technical level. And then, you know, obviously the aggressive side comes later. And I I just think they managed that last year a lot better than what they have previously. So it'll be interesting to see how they go uh, next season um, for sure. I'm definitely keen uh, to see how they go. We'll see if they can get another top four finish. Um, Matt, who who have we got next? Next up, we have Gungarling United and they, sort of had a comeback at the end of last season. They had an interesting season overall because when they started the season, there was probably more buzz around them like the first couple of months than there was because there was, of course, Michelle Heyman coming in in May or June, I believe. So uh, she came in. And then before that, let's just not forget, they had a fantastic season the season before. So uh, there was probably more buzz around them than they had in a while. Um, they didn't start too well. They got in sort of a rough patch. Um they were slow to start, but by the end of the season, as you can see by the table from last season, they ended up finishing third. And if 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 there was more time to the end of the season, it's safe to say that they probably would have finished in the top four. That's how it just took a while for them to get there, which yeah. we thought it wouldn't it wouldn't be considering you know they had their specific style and everyone was used to each other. But it just sort of shows how competitive the league was last season between that third to sixth spot. And so this season now, no Diego Iglesias is coach. He's still involved in a technical aspect, 
in terms of the women's side of the club. Now in comes Pat Mills, very experienced coach in Canberra, in the Canberra women's game. We haven't heard too much about uh, Gangalan in general, uh, besides uh, some of the departures like Steffi Legion's. LK Tolu, like we've mentioned, Jeremy will have more for us in that regard. But considering there's probably more change than this team's had, that was probably one of their strengths, right? The last couple of years, everyone was used to each other. This is a, It was a group that really worked well together, took a couple of years to build, and they had some really good moments. Now, it's probably a little different with uh, some of the departures, new coach as well. Uh, so it's going to be inter- really interesting to see how it goes. But Paddy Mills is definitely an experienced coach too. Uh, guide Gengal and United. Jeremy, uh, what are your thoughts on them this season? Yeah, it's going it's going to be, you know, I think an exciting season for, for Gengalin as well because um, they are now, half of the team are having that experience of playing together or having played together successfully uh, for two full seasons and, and, you know, getting to the semifinal or at least playing hard for a spot in the final. Um, they're losing the firepower, you know, LK Tolu going, Jade Brown going to the USA, um, Steffi Legins, who, who was, I guess, sometimes a little bit of the soul of the team just because of her runnings and the fact that she was everywhere. Uh, Bridget Sander, who was pretty useful, of course, as, as a left back as well. Um, so they're losing the firepower up front with, with LK and Jade being gone. Uh, they're replacing that with um, Cassia Maglashan uh, that we've seen um, on some games, but not a lot last year at Belco. Um, they're replacing it with Sharon Chow, who, again, maybe didn't have as much game time as she would like to have in Canberra, Croatia. The player that I'm really looking forward to see under the Gungalin player, Gungalin color, sorry, uh, is Piper Lockley. Uh, she's been impressive at Waga uh, the past couple of years. She's, she's a young player, very gifted. I mean, a midfield and an attacking midfield with the two DeMarco sister and Piper Lockley just, just smells, sounds taste like football uh, and that's going to be amazing to just mm-hmm. see them um, you know combining uh, on small space that's what I'm looking forward to see uh, from Gongaling this year so th- that's going to be I think the work for, for Pat Mills he's got a keeper that has been here for for a while now he's got a defense uh, that is pretty well installed he's got the the Gongaling mentality that community that culture uh, that we talk about every single year so the foundations are here um, now he's got to restart what happened offensively and, and you know they've always been a little bit on and off offensively the past couple of seasons they would go through like four or five games of scoring three four goals a game and four or five games of not being able to to buy a goal so so it, it's where I think most of the work is going to to come from uh, they I feel maybe have a little bit less expectations that they had last year because last year they had to confirm the year before this year we kind of think there's three teams that are better than them anyway um, so, so it might be a good way for Pat Mills to, you know, slot himself in there and to to play the team that is here to to disrupt what seems to be a, an established hierarchy um, in our football this year. Michael, who do we have next up? Yeah, next up we got Tuggerdong United, coached by Paulo Romero, uh, who came into the side last year. Uh, they finished eighth last season, and their win loss record wasn't great. Uh, with one win, one draw and 15 losses. But, I mean, there was quite a few aspects to take away last season. Obviously, when they eventually got that first win of the season, that was a great time uh, to be involved with the club. And it it was something that they had been trying so desperately hard for to get that first victory in the win column. And it was something that they were eventually able to do. So that just bolstered a lot of confidence within the within the side last season. And they did put up a lot of really good performances, even though they went on to lose matches as well. So plenty of positives for Paulo Romero to take into this season, most definitely. And, you know, they, they began, they began uh, the season last year without a coach. And there were obviously like a lot of departures. There, there wasn't a lot of squad depth. And then you got to top, topple that with injuries as well. You know, President, Stan Mitchell uh, stood in until uh, Paolo Romero uh, came in, uh, like I said, throughout the season last year and really brought some stability to the club. And, you know, it was going to take a little bit of time for his philosophy to kick in and for the girl, for the girls in that squad to really buy into how he wants to play his football. And, you know, like I mentioned sort of at the top, they put in some really strong uh, heartfelt performances uh, aside from the only single victory they had last season. So, you know, I, I expect them to improve uh, on their performances from last season. 
you know, they'll have a little bit more depth at their disposal, which helps any squad uh, in the long run. And we obviously talk about the impacts of not only sort of injuries and other commitments that players have during the year, but we also unfortunately have to factor in sort of COVID as well. And that's obviously going to play a massive impact in, in teams this season. And it's just about having that sort of depth that, at your squad level and and potentially sort of down the pecking order with uh, your, your younger grades. So I'm expecting them to definitely improve on their performances from last season because there were some there were a few glaring sort of positive lights uh, in what was overall a, a dark season because the ladder didn't suggest that they had a good year, but they definitely had had their moments. Uh, Jeremy. What are your thoughts on Tottenham United? Do you think that under Paulo Romero, they'll continue uh, to develop and sort of perform a lot better than what they did uh, last season? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a whole new story, right? Uh, he's been here for the whole of season this time. He's got time to actually, um, you know, talk to his team about what he expects from them, put them in place, rehearse what's going to happen um, on, on Friday onwards. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a, a new narrative for them. They are losing a bit of um, a bit of experience. Steph Coates going, Rhiannon Desley going, uh, Maddie Maggi, who's been like one of almost you know their only source of goals for the past couple of years. Uh, Sophie Rolf, the, the keeper who, who's leaving as well, uh, they are scoring a great keeper in Samiems coming from Wagga City Wanderers, and and then they got a couple of players coming from West Canberra. Uh, you know, Karen Milevska, who, who we haven't seen play. A lot last year, but was was pretty good the year before. Uh, and Maya Beans as well, who's been in and out of, of first and reserves. Um, but, but again, now Paolo has been here uh, for more than almost um, a, a year actually, uh, and the whole of season. And I loved his confidence when he was on the pod um, with you, Matt, where he was saying, you know, I I know that we're better. I know that we have more depth. I know that I have time to to tell them what I expect, and I know that we're going to get better results. And that's all you want from a coach of you know a so-called small market team you know a fo- football game is a football game uh, anything can happen and last year they had a bit of bad luck here and there but they've seen they've shown spirits um and they've shown the improvement under paulo romero so it's just going to be about keep on keeping on right like you said michael and, and just work on on what worked well and and try and score more goals which is the nerve of the nerve of it um i think i think we won't know. It's, it's it's silly to say, but we won't know until a few games uh, what's going on. But I think we can expect um, definitely, I guess, a bit more cohesion, team spirit, just for the fact that they've been working together now for three, four months with the same squad. Uh, and, and Paolo will have time to really settle his foundation and really anchor in those girls' minds what he's expecting from them on the, on the field. Next up, we have Wagga City Wanderers, once again coached by Sam Gray, 2021 position, seventh place. Uh, their yeah, win-loss record wasn't great. Uh, two wins, 15 losses, six points overall. Wagga, sort of similar to Tagarong last season, dealt with a lot of injuries in the squad, decent amount of um, you know uh, departures as well. Uh, we've talked, uh, I think it could just really be summed up in that one game that Jeremy and I did at the AAS against um, Tuggeron, the one that Tuggeron won. There was um, like two injuries in that game or something like that for them as well. And they were traveling pretty light that week. Um, but uh, as you could see from any of my interviews with Sam, or if you've ever talked to Sam, this is something that they're used to uh, at Wagga. A lot of players leave for uni. The, a lot of players leave for work. Um, this season alone, Piper Lockley is in um, Gangala and you've got Sammy Ems at Tuggerong as well. Uh, but they have a good system there. They have they bring through a lot of young players. They uh, they're they're very aware of their surroundings. Wagra as a Ugali, both the um the out of state teams in this comp, they're aware of um the challenges they need to face to be um in these competitions. And Sam Gray, we all know, likes to play his football and. I'd expect a similar this season. He's going to try and play his football. They've added more depth as well to the squad. It'll be a relatively young squad as well. So they're going to play with no fear, I'm sure. And he's, he's from talking to him as well, he's trying to replicate probably that form they had in 2020, where they, they upset a few of the big teams. They played very well against some of the bigger teams. Uh, and that that's probably where they shine most from our podcast years per se of the, of yeah. the years. Uh, so expect, 
Uh, Wagga City Wanderers, similar to Tuggerong, just play without any fear this year. And they're going to play the high line. They're going to play the way they uh, like to play football. So, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Wagga this season? Yeah, I've, I've spoken to, to Sam as well. And actually, you know, I hope that he's feeling a bit better. He was a bit crook when I had him on the phone uh, last week. Um, I think it's it's what happens in Wagga. Players leave, players come. Uh, it's that kind of city with, with the army around, etc. Uh, he, he seems in good spirits. He seems pretty confident. Um, he's pretty happy with some of the players that he got back. Uh, it's just going to be about them gelling, them being available. Uh, he, he got, you know, um, three goalkeepers this season when he only had one last year. So he's also pretty happy about the competition that that brings. Uh, and, you know, and he mentioned a couple of players with experience. He, he had to find himself a new captain because um, Suzuwaya um, has, has done her time and, and he's just playing local now. Uh, but, but yeah, he, apparently there's a player called Isabella Palmeiro who comes from Queensland NPL who should definitely keep our, keep our eye on uh, who's going to be um, his new captain. Um, so I think it's going, to be, it's going to be about what Sam does, right? It's going to be that open attacking football uh, and they're just going to try and push up the table and, and like you said, trying to create a bit more upset like they've done uh, a couple of seasons ago. It's going to be about being able to actually play your, your team uh, every week, which is which is what's not very what's not always easy. Sorry, when you're in Waga, um, but he's yeah he's he's confident with the team that he has. He's got uh, a few players that are coming from uh, Olympic, like like Emma Finch, uh, and so he he's going to be able to I guess base his work on maybe a bit of a larger group. Uh, and I can only be positive for for Waga City. They're going to to know you know real quick if if they can. Um, you know, create upsets or not. And and I'm sure that Sam will know, you know, which push on, button to push with his players to, to make sure that the season, um, not that last year was a write-off, but last year was really hard for them. Um, but that this season is just a little bit more um, fun for the for the players as well. You know, that you play for a bit more than thinking how many games are you going to concede this weekend. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be, again, another bit of a transition season. Uh, Sam is now, I think, the most experienced coach in NPLW with all the changes uh, yeah. uh, that we've had the last couple of years, or at least the one that has been at the head of his club for the longest. Um, so that's a that's a new that's a new thing for him. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's always good. It's always fun to see Sam's team playing uh, when they can play ninety minutes. It's not only it's fun, but it's actually better for them. Um, so hopefully that's what we're getting this year. Next up in our last. Uh, club for our MPLW preview is West Canberra Wanderers, uh, coached by Ray Castro. They finished sixth last season in 2021, and their win-loss record was uh, a bit of a balance, uh, where they had seven wins, one draw, and uh, nine defeats. So, you know, like I said, they, they did have a bit of a mixed season last year. They obviously had some good results, but that coupled with some bad ones along the way as well, and you know, they actually did have a tremendous run where they, you know, where they gained important results, you know, competing, you know, for in and around the top four, you know, and they had that, obviously that run in the, in the Federation Cup where they reached the final and were eventually uh, defeated. Um, you know, Emma Sansbury and uh, Tiana Jaber uh, left the club during the, the mid-season window. And that's when technical director uh, Ray Castro stepped into the coaching role there. And, you know, He's, he's obviously taking charge moving forward uh, with, with this team when he sort of stepped in last year, uh, given the departures of those two that I just mentioned before. And, you know, he, Ray is, is a very experienced uh, manager and, you know, he's, he's implementing his style uh, within, this, within this squad, but not only just this squad, but just in terms of the women's sector at the club, he has a massive influence uh, in terms of the women's football there at West Canberra. So, you know, it goes down from, you know, first grade to, you know, the, the reserves and the 18s. So, you know, he's heavily involved with, with the junior sides and, you know, that, that makes a smooth uh, sorry transition for those players in the younger age groups to sort of make that transition through to reserves and then on to, to first grade as well. So they've brought in the likes of uh, Ali Hinson and, and Daisy um, Canavan uh, to mention a couple so, you know, they'll, they'll look to take the inspiration from some of their performances and form last season. And I think they'll obviously look to improve on that. Uh, they obviously had more defeats than they had wins last season. But, you know, with a 
with a man like Ray Castro at the at the helm, they anything's possible. And he, he's a great coach. And like I said, he's got a massive influence there in terms of uh, his presence at the club and and in women's football. So we, we can maybe expect to see a lot of sort of different personnel coming through the ranks uh, for West Canberra Wanderers throughout the 2022 season. Jeremy, what do you make of West Canberra Wanderers for this upcoming season? Obviously, we, we mentioned it again that there's another there was another coaching change last season and, and someone had to sort of step in for that club. Uh, that's the case with Ray Castro last year, and he's obviously staying in his role as coach for this season. So how do you think that impacts the team going forward and obviously his influence in women's football at that club? Yeah, it's great to have Ray. Uh, I uh, thought it was funny how he almost um, undersells himself uh, on the pod when he's saying that he's uh, the interim coach, the interim TD, the interim everything, uh, when uh, when clearly he's got under control and, and we've seen yeah. it. Uh, at the charity shield like he he knows what he's doing the team is playing for him clearly um, he's building a squad to be competitive uh, I mean the the youth the intensity uh, of that team in the charity shield against uh, the the great Canberra Croatia uh, was actually very refreshing and, and really good mm. to see and some players that we know of, some that we you know haven't, haven't seen a lot of uh, Ginger Oliver um, Joanna Biddle and, and Hadi Cram were the ones that were really impressive during that um, charity Shield, but you, you mentioned Daisy Canavan, uh, which brings you know ton of of of, pay, of pace of speed uh, from Cambridge Academy. The fact that they were able to get um, Steffi Nikias from um, the academy, her sister already plays um, at West Canberra Academy, uh, and Stephanie Nikias was a starter uh, in defense in the academy. So now she's going to be that partnership with with Whitfield, who has a lot of experience in West Canberra. So West. West Canberra actually looks good, I think, this season. Uh, Ali Hinson, who, who just after getting two championships with uh, Canberra Croatia, decides to go for a club where she's probably going to have a little bit more work to do uh, than she was doing at, at Croatia. It's great. Um, it's a great challenge for her. Uh, you know, she's still um, she's still coached by Chantal Jones, so she's still going to uh, improve and, and show how good she is on the pitch. It's I think it's one of those exciting squads to to watch this season, West Canberra. Uh, again, it's building on a team um, that was for the most already together last year. Uh, it's a coach that has been here for over a year, and it's the addition of a few players and, and the growth of young player uh, that will make this whole squad work together. Um, they have that, you know, sort of unspoken advantage that they train and play at home on a synthetic pitch, which you know, can always help. Um, against tired ankles and uh, and against players who, who are used to only play on on grass, uh, but it's what we've seen at the Charity Shield very encouraging. If, if they can keep that up, they'll definitely get results. Um, that, like I said, that intensity that they had playing football against the experience and you know supposedly the scarecrow uh, Canberra Croatia, um, you know, show that results are going to go their way. Uh, it's you know hopefully they get a result early on to be able to build the confidence uh, and they don't start dadding themselves or, or their football. Yeah, most definitely. I think that this could be a season with some of the additions that you mentioned there that they sort of take things to the next step and we could see them in the top four. You just never, you just never know. So obviously a lot of encouraging signs there for West Canberra Wanderer and Ray Castro. Matt, do you want to go through the round one fixtures uh, for MPLW? We certainly will. First up, we have an interesting time slot that we haven't had probably for a while. Not, not that I can remember in the last uh, few years. Tyrone United against Belco, Friday, April 1st on April Fool's Day, 7.45 p.m. <laughs> Greenway enclosed. Uh, I believe Jeremy and Russ will be commentating this one. Any April Fool's um, pranks between you and Russ or... Uh, I, he doesn't know yet, but there'll be one. I just hope that we woke up to, to do a game and there is a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, yes. Um, Wagga City Wanderers against Canberra Olympics, Sunday, April 3rd, uh, 2.30 p.m. at Gissing Oval over in Wagga. Canberra Croatia versus Canberra United Academy, Sunday, April 3rd, 2.30 p.m. at Deakin Stadium. That seems to be uh, the opening. That was the opening game last season as well, I remember. And then we've got Gungahlin United against West Canberra Wanderers Sunday, April 3rd, 3 p.m. at Gungahlin in close. That should also be an interesting, an interesting one because they had 
Uh, quite a rivalry going last year. They, they played each other a lot, including in the Cups as well. Live on MPL TV. Remember, MPL TV this year is the go-to for league matches and then FFA Cup, sorry, slash Australian Cup matches will be on Bar TV Sports. That's it for us today, boys. Jeremy, any last words? And as always, thank you for joining. No, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to, to this no. season. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, all those new coaches and and the new squads and, and you know, to be back here on, on the m M&M podcast to, to talk about all the action of the weekend. Indeed. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Looking forward to commentating with you again this season also, as well as having you on the pod. Michael, any last words today? No, not sort of too different from what I mentioned at the top. I think it's just an exciting time that sort of, you know, we're getting back into the football season again. So just keen to see all the action and, you know, hopefully a lot of entertainment for the for the fans and for everyone that's associated with, with football here in Canberra. So can't wait. Actually, before I... Let's leave on a laugh. I forgot to... Uh, I, I finally pulled this out, our results from the uh, the tips last season. So we oh, have... Because we... I forgot to pull it out for the other ones. Um, so we have MPL one You won, Michael, 31 to 27. Pretty close, but you got the overall victory there. MPLW, I ended up snagging a victory. 50, uh, 51, and then... Sorry, 50. And then Michael, 46. Jeremy, 44. And then MPL2... Michael, you and I had a dead-end tie there, 41 each. Oh, so there you go. We actually uh, had a share of the spoils. We had a in, win each. We had a loss each and a, and a draw. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to improve on that for this season. Someone's going to have to walk away with bragging rights. That is true. That is true. We'll start when you talk about a, When you talk about having a loft, I thought you were going to talk about Italy losing to North Macedonia. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But well, why are you going to say a laugh? Michael he, he is Macedonian. To... So it's like you're insulting him now. Yeah, come on, Jeremy. <laughs> it's just Italy. No, it's just about no, Italy. No, no, no one was expecting it, that's for sure. I mean, I nah, look, wasn't expecting it at all. But, you know, now now that we're done with, now that we've said it, we've said, uh, you know, our goodbyes to Italy. It's time for Macedonia to say goodbye to Ronaldo now. So. Hey, cre- look, credit to Macedonia. They North Macedonia, they uh, mm. defended very well. Uh they also got that win against Germany. Uh, they got they came second in the group. Yeah, uh, they knocked out Italy. If they knock out Portugal, no. it's even better. But even if you don't, that's already massive strides for yeah. Macedonia. So last... credit to them. No excuses from me. Absolutely yeah. zero. The last three years have just been really positive for sort of Macedonian football in general. So I mean, and and that just stems from obviously what you mentioned before about them defeating Germany in the in the group stage. Uh, of the of the qualifying round for the Euros, and then obviously the team actually playing in Euro twenty twenty for the first time, and who knows? There's the potential now to participate in our first ever sort of World Cup. So yeah, we'll wait and see what happens on Wednesday morning. But I'm very excited. Good on you, mate. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us today. That was episode forty six on the Canberra Football Show.